in the fast lane going way too fast, just you just wish it would slow down a little bit. Um, a little over a month ago, I had a motorcycle accident. And kids, always wear your helmets, okay? I'm not going to tell you if you had my helmet on or not. But uh, I'm alive, and, and actually, I really believe God intervened in a really powerful, miraculous way because no broken bones, um, no broken teeth. I did, uh, actually, I was thrown out. I was thrown away from traffic instead of thrown into traffic. But these days, you know, I've kind of traded in my motorcycle for another form of travel. Here comes Dave with my new, my new <laughs> mode of transportation. So I've kind of traded in the motorcycle for a walking stick. I've moved into my Yoda years, I believe. <laughs> You know, um, and everything I'm telling you is from the Bible, so I'm going to just set this down because I don't know what to do with uh, everything here. So, but I've kind of traded in the motorcycle for the walking stick, so I can actually, you know, enjoy the people in my life a lot more. I just find myself a lot more thankful and reflective. And each day, you know, I, I just I look at you, I look at the brown carpet, and I go carpet is so beautifully brown this morning. I mean, I'm just appreciating things so much more uh, than I ever have. Um, so as I was thinking about this, I, I remember maybe four or five years ago, probably now, let me see, do the math, six years ago, Miranda was uh, about uh, 16. She was driving. We actually were living at, in Ohio at the time, and we were driving here to Indy. And I was sitting in the passenger side, and I noticed that Miranda was driving in the passing lane, driving in the fast lane the entire time we're driving here. And she was driving pretty fast. And after about 40 or 50 miles, I said, Miranda, I've noticed something. You're driving in the fast lane. You're driving in the passing lane. I didn't know if anyone ever told you this, but that lane is primarily used for speeding up passing someone that's going too slow and then getting back over in the right lane and resuming normal speed. She goes, really? I said, yeah, can, can you go ahead and practice that? Go ahead and do that? Because, you know, I was still, I was still probably in 1969 Ford LTD mode as she was just zooming along, you know, and maybe we had some eagles going, but I did want to stay alive. Um, she also kind of did a lot of weaving. You know, I, I, was, I was surprised she never got pulled over for you know, driving impaired or something. She did a lot of weaving. Yeah, she got pulled over once, I guess. Thanks for the clarification, Trish. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so I thought, but, you know, moving over, you know, slowing down. I thought, that'll preach, you know. It's like, so the, the, if the, the message had points today, if it had a title, it would be, you know, moving out of the fast lane, okay? Um, so here's what I've seen. Um, once we get caught in the fast lane of life, it seems like there's no way to escape. All of our lives are filled with challenges and pressures that are forcing us to feel like we've just got to keep going faster and faster. Peter Blackburn actually summed up life in the fast lane by saying this. He said, for one thing, life in the fast lane is fraught. I don't say fraught. But I think fraught is a great word, Peter. Thank you. Life is fraught with all kinds of problems. It tends to be very self-centered. 
when you're in the fast lane, caring little for others. It calls for instant decision and action with little forethought about consequences. If things don't work out for other people or other people get hurt, we just have to move on, making the best of it because, baby, I'm in the fast lane. No one's slowing me down. I'd added that. I thought he needed that to really bring (laughs) emphasis to that. So here's the reality. There's something in all of us that is longing for connection with something more powerful, bigger than we are. Uh, Augustine put it this way. He said, our hearts are restless until they find the rest in God. So that's what we're really looking for, but we keep on skipping over that part. And instead, we substitute other things. So we seek the next rush. We seek the next thing to fill that void uh, that eats away inside of us. And what ends up happening? Well, it's never quite enough. The next thing must be bigger. The next thing must be more exciting. It must be better. It means to get the same rush that we once got. It had to be so much more than it was the last time around. And uh, I think this is called the law of diminishing return, right? It means to get the same buzz the next time, we need something bigger and better because uh, the last time isn't good enough anymore. Now, Psalm 46 is where we're going to just be resting for a while this morning. So let's go ahead and put that up. And I want you to stand with me. We're not going to play the song again, but we're going to we're going to let this song, let this psalm just hopefully jump off the screen and let the word become flesh in you uh, this morning and in me this morning. God is our well, say it with me. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. I noticed that I said fail and you said fall, so you guys did it good. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And here's the verse that I want us to just... Take a breath. Okay, and say, here we go, here we go. I'm moving over on this side because I don't want you guys to feel left out. All right. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. All right, well, we're just going to kind of focus on verse 10 this morning. Um, That Hebrew phrase, be still, it actually is uh, the word rafa, and it means to be weak, 
Don't you like that? Maybe not. To be weak. To let go. To release. A better translation would be cease striving. Okay? Or uh, cause yourselves to let go. Or let yourselves become weak. Uh, It's kind of like Randy was preaching last week on surrender. One of those sermons we just love to hear because it's like, wow, do I have to surrender? And he's like, yeah, sometimes we just have to do that. Now, in Hebrew grammar, uh, we often see two commands linked together, and we see that here this morning. And here the two imperatives, be still and know, are linked together. And uh, the emphasis here, though, is on the second command, which is know, which in the Hebrew is the word yada. Now, I love yada. Don't you? Yada. I mean, I love to know my wife. Knowing my wife as her husband is a wonderful, intimate time. Adam knew Eve, and then little babies came along. That's the same Hebrew word that is for the word know, to know, okay? So, uh, you know, we actually, it, the word yo know means we surrender. We cause ourselves to let go. In order, though, that we cause ourselves to surrender and let go in order so that we may know that God is God, all right? And he's in control. We give up trusting in our speed or anything else that we're trying to substitute in order to know that he's in control and that he's God. So we be, we're to be still and know that God is God. Now, uh, anybody ever been to Houston Woods? Houston Woods? Yeah? It's a wonderful, it's epic, it's wonderful. Did you say epic? Uh, epic is a word we don't use enough of. Um, but Houston Woods is an amazing place, and uh, I had actually uh, gone there with my family, and we were just having some time just to spin together. And what's cool about Houston Woods, it has this little beach, has all these nature trails, and actually has a nature center, and you pretty much take your family there to be still and, and to enjoy God's creation. Now, the ironic thing that I discovered is all of these sweet little families were dragging their kids around, saying, hurry up, hurry up. We've got to get to the next thing. Hurry up, we've got to go to the beach and have a good time because we're only here for another five minutes. You know, it's like, hurry up. And they were just dragging them from activity to activity. And these things are not fast lane activities. These are activities that we just need to just chillax and enjoy. All right? Now, uh, yeah, we live in a culture where we don't like to slow down. We don't like to wait. Uh, I think Many of us can have a wonderful ministry standing in the back of any fast food place and just praying all day. Because sometimes the fast food is not so fast. And sometimes they get it wrong. Um, and, you know, it's like, it's like when our computers take more than a millisecond to boot up, what do we want to do? I mean, we would just want to shoot the thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm staying with my in-laws. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, but they have direct TV. But there's really 
uh, a strange thing that happens because when I push the channel button, I'm just used to it going to the next channel. And for some reason, I push this thing and I think I need to start aiming at the satellite because it takes quite some time, you know, before actually it changing. Anybody have DirecTV have that, that little pause thing going on? I'm like, we need to get rid of this thing. You know, it's like we just had regular air channels uh, when, uh, when we're in Ohio. But that, that kind of stuff frustrates me. Um, but it's like we just get really agitated because we're so used to everything going quickly. And, uh, you know, the quicker we go, the more we miss. And, and it's time for us, I think, to just take a breath, you know, to be still and know that, uh, uh, that God is in control. And, and, you know, there are times, though, when I'm, when I'm just paying attention to people and I can almost hear the static and the anger and the agitation come from whenever people have to wait. It's like, you just think they're just going to snap and you're like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, you know, I have to tell on myself because I, my friends, can be an impatient person at times too. I know it's shocking, but this was mostly when I lived in Ohio. I'm a different person now. I have nothing against Ohio. I was there for a long time. Um, I like this guy. Uh, um, but within the span of about three days, the devil was trying to really attack me, you know, or God was trying to cause me to be still and know he is God. Um, one of the things I did as the, as the next generation pastor, all right, at, at the other church, live long and perspire or prosper or whatever, one of the things I did is I, I, I fed the children delicious breakfast every Sunday. I got them Krispy Kreme donuts, you know, for all the kids. I did this every, every time. And, but then I also taught them. You know, I, we had kind of like a big kids' church setting. And so I didn't feed them donut, donuts and put them in the car with mom and dad. I fed them donuts, and then I allowed them to experience all the wonderful benefits of a donut and an 8-year-old, you know, there in front of me. We had some very exciting worship, and kids very excited to answer questions. Well, one of these days, I was running a little late, and I went to Kroger to pick up the Krispy Kreme donuts. And as I'm at Kroger, picking up the Krispy Kreme donuts, it's a little, I'm running late. And so I did something, I promise you, that I'd never done before. I actually was, I went out, uh, I brought my little... You know, little half cart, you know? I love those things. You know, I'll wrestle someone for them. It's like, uh, who wants the big old cart when you can pack everything in one of those little guys? So I had all these donuts in there. And, and right beside my car, there were about seven shopping carts, bass carts, they call them in Ohio. I don't know what they call them here. So there's seven carts there, and I went, you know, I always take the cart back to the cart corral, but this time I'm like, the children are hungry. I must feed the children donuts. So I just leave the cart right there by me, and I just kind of slide in my car, and I, and I start to pull out. And it was summer, and my windows were down, and some guy stops me, and he goes, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, excuse me? He said, the carts go over there. And I said, are you the cart police? He did not like that. He had about four cases of beer in his car, and I mean in his cart, and he was very angry. Evidently, he had a bad experience with a shopping cart in the parking lot. 
And he said, oh, I'm sorry, the carts go over there. Well, you can take my cart and put over there. And I drove away, you know, and I saw him just like kind of like having a meltdown right there. So a few days later, you know, I got back and I'm glad, you know, he didn't chase me to the church and maybe visited. And it's like, oh, you're the guy. That's why I need Jesus, you know. Another day, a test of patience, I was at Lowe's. This is Lowe's in Ohio, not Lowe's here in Indiana. I'm sure it's different here. But that day, I was actually putting together this, this wonderful prop for kids' church. And I had one of those big carts, and I had plywood, and I had nails, and I had two-by-fours, and I had paint. And it took me forever to get all the stuff. But that day at Lowe's, it seemed like there was only like one line And it took me like four hours, it seemed like, as I was standing in this line. So lo and behold, I'm standing there, just waiting, just easing it along, sweating profusely. I finally get up to my spot, or I'm about to get up to the spot, and out of the corner of my eye, Brian, about where you're sitting, two middle-aged women start sprinting toward me. They have some stuff in their hands. They sprinted right by me, and they dropped their stuff right at the, you know, right there at the cash register. And the lady said, "Do you want to, Is this all you're buying today?" I mean, that's the wrong question to be asking. You should be asking these ladies what makes them so much more important than the guy who's trying to get back to build props in kids' church so the kids can know about Jesus. I I was brought up at a different time. When I was a kid, it's like what cashiers used to do. I don't know if it's a new thing around here. But what happened is like, you know, they would take the next person in line. Now, another pet peeve I have is when, is actually when you've been waiting a long time and someone else just bolts in right behind you and someone flips on the light and... What are they supposed to say? I will help the next person in line, right? Well, that doesn't happen anytime I'm around. They flip it on. I'm the next one in line, and whoever's behind me jumps ahead and gets over there. So I must say, you know, it's like after my incident there at Lowe's. What happened next, though, was what almost pushed me over the edge. So it's like I did say, I said, I'm sorry, ladies. I just have to ask a question. What makes you so much more important than me that you can jump up in front of me? And that this is, I got it no more out of my mouth. Now, I normally don't say such things. This was when I lived in Ohio. I'm so much better now. I normally don't say such things, but after I said this, this guy behind me pushes me in my back. And I turn around and he starts poking me in my chest and said, Relax, man. You've got to chill out. Life's too short. And I'm thinking, if I had really sharp teeth, I would bite your finger off and spit it out. You don't want to mess with it, you know, with a children's pastor having a bad day. I just dealt with, uh, it may have been the same donut guy. I don't know, from a few days ago. But the point in all of this, you know, I'm preaching to myself this morning when I just have to continue to say, okay, be still and know that God is God. You know, it, life really is too short to just speed past to breakneck speed and just keep on forgetting about all of this stuff. 
All right. Um, so, you know, we have this problem of being impatient, agitated when things, when we have to wait. And sometimes it's just good to wait, okay? Um, you know, intimate conversations, they're kind of scarce these days when, you know, people just look into each other's eyes and just wonder, how are you? How's it going? But we just actually take time and just look deeply into each other's eyes and really have good conversations. Well, Eugene Peterson is one of my favorite pastor of pastors. He wrote the message, kind of paraphrased the Bible. Um, uh, but here's the thing. He, he has some of these great quotes. I, I just uh, I love the first one. And this, these are all quotes kind of related to how important it is for us to be still, to slow down. First one, I can't remember a farmer who was ever in a hurry. Think about that. It's like, what did we learn in church today? I learned farmers are never in a hurry. <laughs> farmers characteristically work hard, but there's too much work to be done to be in a hurry. I thought, that's a Yoda kind of thing to say. So I thought, I, I'm moving in this point of my life. Impatience. He, he talks about, you know what the sin, most, the sin of most pastors here it is. Impatience is the besetting sin of pastors. We're in a hurry. We want to see something happen. But sometimes it takes 300 pages before anything happens. I thought, hmm. I love this one. Uh, and, and I love Pastor Randy because I know he's just Randy, but he's our pastor. Uh, Randy's job, a pastor's job is to get to know God very well and people very well, and to introduce the two. That is just so cool, because, I mean, I see that. I work with this guy every day, and it's like he's always praying for you guys and loving on you, and he's always hanging out with us. And I'm just thinking, you're really cool. <laughs> I miss him because he's in, I hope he makes it back from the Grand Canyon. That's where he's, he's having some time with the family. Um, the job of the pastor, last quote from Eugene Peterson, the job of the pastor isn't to get things done. His or her job is to pay attention to what is going on, what God is doing. No one else is going to do that. Isn't that good? And what I love about our church is we've got elders and pastors and staff and all of you. You guys are always paying attention to what is going on. You let us know. But if there's anything I could boil down and say, that's a really, really important thing for leaders to do. You know, is to do that last thing there. And sometimes you have to be still to uh, make that happen. Um, Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2, it sounds really familiar. David says here, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. And I think what's really cool, the Hebrew word for rest also means silence. So a better translation of this verse would be, For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Um, we're doing this class, um, actually Deb Kallenbach is doing this great class called Sacred Rhythms. And if there's any, any one word that would describe what I'm kind of talking about this morning is the, the discipline of solitude, of actually just being still, and, and actually creating a margin in your life. 
when all the buzz and the busyness is going on, that you go, ah, I need to just take a moment here, okay? Now, what I find whenever I'm kind of getting caught up in one of these swirls of stress and busyness when I'm having a Lowe's moment, when I'm having a Krispy Kreme donut moment, you know, I really find it really helpful to actually go to my happy place, all right? To go to this place and, and um, I find my refuge and strength really comes from being in God's presence. And I just go into worship mode. And uh, I realize when I'm in those moments, you know, he manifests himself as my ever-present help. He said, I'm here. I'm here to help you. And what happens is my fears begin to kind of melt away in the strength of his presence and power. Because as I'm there just just kind of basking in his presence and resting and being quiet, it's like I literally feel like I'm lifted up into the heavenly realms and and I'm able to see things from a whole different perspective. and, And, you know, I get a glimpse of the world and I get a glimpse at all the stuff going on. And I realize, God, if you just would speak, your voice would just melt, would vaporize everything that's going on all around us. Just the power of his presence and his voice. And I think, you know, I think God's got this. I think he can handle whatever's going on. My life may be falling apart, but I'm not going to fall apart because he's there. And when I exchange my strongholds, of fear and anxiety and everything else and actually say, how about I exchange that for you and the stronghold of your presence and I just kind of bask in that place, I become so much more fun to be around. (laughs) And when other people are doing that, they're a lot more fun to be around. They've just got grace. They've got peace. They will hand you a jelly bean and say, have a good day. I don't know. Something like that. Have a jelly bean. Just keep jelly beans on you. I don't know. I love jelly beans. Jelly bellies, though. They're the best kind. Um, God bless you. Well, Steve, Sergeant, are you here, Steve? Steve is going to rescue the day. Uh, I, I have found that, uh, I've learned that when I run out of things to say, uh, I've already told you more than I know, so it's a good time to stop. Um, <laughs> So um, so Steve is going to come, and he's just going to kind of close us out in prayer, and then he's going to give us some uh, directions for communion. God bless you.